We are back, and in this hour, Dr. Atelia O'Mare, a professor of religion, conflict, and peace studies at the University of Notre Dame, is joining us. She is also the author of Days of Awe, Reimagining Jewishness in Solidarity with Palestinians and When Peace is Not Enough, How the Israeli Peace Camp Thinks About Religion, Nationalism, and Justice. Thank you, and welcome, Dr. O'Mare. Thank you for having me. Oh, this is such a complex subject. I've already, like I said, had two uh, leading historians on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict on a week ago, and I felt like I could have spent 10 hours with them uh, because there are so many uh, complexities and nuances to uh, this decades-old battle between these two groups. But I really wanted to focus on religion today in this show because one of the things one of the historians kept saying last week was that uh, he kept using the word Judaize and that the current government in Israel under Prime Minister, uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and others that he had brought into his cabinet that he said they weren't interested in a two-state solution. They weren't really interested in uh, sharing the land with Palestinians that they really wanted to Judaize that entire region. So got me really thinking about the role of religion uh, in this crisis. So can you just kind of give us, you know, again, uh, give us the fifth grade short version. And I know that's difficult because this is complex, but, uh, you know, I want to help people have a better understanding about this Muslim you know, Jewish, what appears to be the Muslims and Jewish crisis, as much as it is about the land, it seems to be really about religion, too. Yeah, um, so um, th- that's interesting because I usually hear the, the term Judaize rather than Judaize. So that was a, uh, a bit com- confusing, which means really uh, making the land, the entirety of what is co- referred to as historic Palestine, uh, into um, a Jewish um, uh, uh, Jewish majority uh, population, but more significantly uh, being um, articulated and um, ruled according to what the Israeli uh, Jewish, the Jewish Israeli Human Rights Organization, Batsalem, has called Jewish supremacy uh, mm-hmm. in a relatively recent report um, that described the entirety of, of uh, man- mandatory Palestine and mandatory refers to the um, kind of the, the, the boundaries that were created by the British mandate. So it's really important to keep in mind the colonial uh, background and the um, continuous um, roles of colonial forces or neocolonial forces uh, in the region, um, which uh, in a sense also goes to your question about um, how to understand religion in relation to the recent eruption of uh, or escalation of violence, because for the people of Gaza, they had lived in in a condition of violence uh, for for many years. Uh, The Gaza Strip had been um, under siege for 16 years, 17 years. Um, There had been a military occupation for 56 years uh, since 1967. Uh, but in fact, many of the people of Gaza are refugees from the Nakba, from the or what Israelis and within that discourse of Zionism is called the War of Independence, um, and um, and so this uh, uh, illuminates the need to go back to at least 1948. Uh, but really, it's very critical to go 
uh, to go much deeper historically. And I know that you spoke to other historians um, and we can say something about that. But kind of the main point that, um, um, that, that I want to convey initially with respect to religion is that it's really absolutely critical to, um, uh, to, uh, to be religiously literate. And what I mean by that is that one needs to understand not in reductive ways, as in kind of like oversimplifying by saying religion is the cause, uh, because that kind of argument would overlook, is reductive because it overlooks history, it overlooks politics, it overlooks the kind of dynamics on the ground, it overlooks, the like what I mentioned before, the colonial uh, infrastructure um, and the role of colonial forces um, and sociological uh, mechanisms and, and dimensions. So, um, so religion is not something that is not relevant to understanding the dynamics on the ground. Uh, it's important to understand how precisely it is uh, deployed, used, understood, articulated, experienced by people. Uh, and also, uh, just another kind of quick note to put on, on the table, it's also absolutely critical to know that there are many uh, Palestinians who are Christian. Um, and so that very kind of... So let, let's start there, because I think there's a notion that all Palestinians are Muslims. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that's false. Yeah, that's false, and it reflects the uh, the, the the deeply Orientalist uh, discourse uh, with respect to to the region, and it was really reflected uh, in the kind of rhetoric that uh, Biden um, articulated. That in fact sounded ma- very much like Netanyahu, as if he was like Netanyahu was offering you know his notes. Um, and uh, so, and what the- percentage would you say of the Palestinians living in the Gaza Strip are? Christian versus Muslim. Well, in the Gaza, uh, in the Gaza Strip, there it's a very small community, but it's uh, it's a very old and rooted community. And the West and, and in the West Bank, there are many more Christians. Uh, but so let me ask you. So when we talk about this this crisis, we should not just focus on Gaza Strip. We should be talking about yeah. the whole region. Okay. Yes. yes, absolutely. And actually, I was really. Um, uh, I really appreciated how you started um, in the beginning of this segment. How you started, you said no, you didn't say Israel's war with Gaza, but Israel's war with Palestinians. Okay, uh, and and Gaza is um, uh, is really kind of uh, uh, the most extreme representation of the, um, the the history of Palestinian. So, so let me ask you, this, Professor. We we've been told that there are two million people that live on the Gaza Strip. Two point right? three. Yeah. Okay, two point three. So. Outside uh, on the whole West Bank, how many people are we talking about? Uh, uh, at, at least seven million. Okay, so it's kind of if we think of Gaza Strip as being the city, and the West Bank is like a county. So Gaza is a part of this larger region. Well, well part of what Israel has done over the years, and especially since the uh, the, the what what is called the the, the Oslo Peace Accords. Um, and uh, is to very intentionally to fragment uh, the Palestinian community, both in terms of the land, which goes back to your basic question, uh, to fragment the land, to make it impossible to to really actually move toward a contiguous Palestinian state alongside Israel. Uh, So Gaza was fragmented from the West Bank, but historically, um, these were communities that were entirely interwoven. Okay, so so historically, Gaza was interwoven with the West Bank. Yeah, yeah and was it Palestine. occupied by Jewish people, or occupied by predominantly okay. Muslim, but some Christians? 
Okay, but it's really important to go um, uh, to book to go back a little bit and um, okay. and just offer some kind of like timeline. So okay. we have in, um, uh, uh, we, we can start actually. It's really important to 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 say okay, we start in 1917 with the Balfour Declaration when a, uh, a British lord you know gives the land to the Jews to establish a, a Jewish home. At that time, in historic Palestine, there were only 6% Jewish people, mostly were from, from the place. I mean, they didn't come from Europe. By 1947, when the United Nations uh, um, voted on a partition plan, uh, there were 33% uh, of Jews uh, uh, in the land, um, and they were given 55% of the land by the UN, uh, mm-hmm. while the Palestinians, the indigenous people, owned 94%. Um, and um, well, you uh, said fifty-three and what percent? Fifty-five percent. They were they, the UN partition gave uh, kind of articulated fifty-five percent for the Jews, even though they were only thirty-three percent. And at the but same, it gave them a larger section, yeah, that, section, and yeah, forty-five that, to the indigenous people. Fifty-five, and that, but at the time, the indigenous people owned ninety-four percent of the land. But then you have the Nakba, the catastrophe, and and. And Israel, what is called proper Israel, uh, that, uh, that was established in 1948, is over 78% of the land. And then you have the occupation of 1967. The occupation of 1967, this is when Israel occupied the Gaza Strip from Egypt and Sinai as well, uh, the West Bank from, from Jordan and the Golan Heights from Syria. Um, and uh, at that point... Um, uh, things kind of sh- shifted around, but Gaza and the West Bank were interconnected uh, until Gaza was put under siege and fragmented from the rest. So, of let me ask you this: So, the occupation that you said, so UN split the land, gave Israel a certain portion. Israel then annexed, or, or you know, annexed some portion of the West Bank uh, and the Gaza Strip, expanding its footprint. Right. Yeah, it it, it 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 established occupation over all this space. Okay, and and, and did and let's talk about religion now. So, did that occupation of that space, this larger space, was that because fundamentally the Israelis believed that that entire land was somehow, you know, ordained by, by some biblical purpose? You know, like God, this was you know yes. their chosen land. Uh, uh, well. So, uh, no, um, some people, uh, some movements that especially emerged to the foreground in the 70s, after the 73 war, uh, the Gushimunim, the Messianic settlers, uh, they are explicitly religious in the sense, their Zionism is explicitly religious in the sense that they um, uh, they see the moment, the historical moment, as, as the Messianic moment of return to the land. But secular Zionism that emerged in Europe as a secular movement, nevertheless relied on what I called a biblical grammar. Uh, because it it needed to bring together Jews uh, from all over, uh, supposedly to 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 the land they were dreaming about um, that had kind of redemptive meaning. Uh, so even in the secular uh, uh, discourse, that it's very nationalistic and um, uh, and secular. Understand people in. Um, the return to the land is something that happens historically, not in some messianic and meta-historical moment and human-initiated, not divine-initiated. Still, it needed to to kind of draw on the, the religious imagination in order to um, uh, to generate an actual political traction for people to actually move um, to, to the land. All right. Uh, I'm going to have you hold your thought. 
when we come forward, we're going to continue with this history lesson uh, and better understanding of how the Israeli uh, nation grew and expanded its footprint and what that growth meant for the Palestinians and the indigenous people uh, in this region. Stay with us, KBLA Talk 1580. You're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. We are back with Professor Atalia Omer. She's a professor of religion, conflict, and peace studies at the University of Notre Dame. She is also the author of Days of Awe, Reimagining Jewishness in Solidarity with Palestinians. She's also the author of When Peace is Not Enough, How the Israeli Peace Camp Thinks About Religion, Nationalism, and Justice. She's here trying to help us get a better understanding of the decades-long Israeli-Palestinian crisis. Uh, Now, I think it's appropriate to call it war. Uh, and the role that religion plays in it. Okay, uh, Professor Omer, you were uh, uh, expounding on this point that over time, the uh, Israelis occupied more and more of the land, leaving less land for the indigenous Palestinians who were in this region. And I had asked if the uh, quest for more land was based on some biblical principles And I I think your answer was not really. (laughs) It was more about nationalism. Did I get that right? Um, It's, it will, I mean, it's it's just not, it's also nationalism and also religion. I mean, it played, it selectively, the nationalism that was constructed in Europe uh, uh, in the context of anti-Semitism and also in the context of the, of Europe's, other other Europe European ills like Orientalism, uh, like the genocidal for Europe is a genocidal project. Uh, settler colonialism was in the air uh, in the late nineteenth century, early twentieth century, um, and so it has to be Zionism as a Jewish national national movement needs to be understood as as a European movement, uh, but it was constructed. Um, uh, uh, through a reliance on the biblical biblical narrative. Now, it's very, very important to note that Zionism that emerges as a secular movement as a po- political movement, political Zionism, there are other forms of Zionism, uh, was perceived by the religious leaders of the community in Europe, uh, the, the, the Orthodox um, leaders, the Haredi leaders, as a very deeply subversive movement. Uh, because within the Jewish tradition, first of all, the Jewish tradition doesn't only rely on the text of the, the biblical text. It, will, it, it, it entails centuries and centuries of learning, interpretation, hermeneutics, commentary upon commentary upon commentary. And from the perspective of the rabbis, <clears throat> the return to the land should have been something to be postponed. Uh, and it's about waiting for a messianic agency, not human agency. Let me ask you this. So the conflict, did the conflict start because it was essentially a fight over the land, the indigenous people (laughs) responding to the, you know, the, the carving out of more land by Israelis? Was that what, you know, was that the impetus or was it the opposite where the Israelis were 
in conflict with the indigenous people because they wanted to take more and more land. I'm yeah. trying to make, I, I know I want to, I want to try to simplify this. I know it's not that simple, but I don't want people to leave more confused. Yes. <laughs> oh. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I can unpack it. So, so first of all, I want to say to, um, uh, to, to make sure that I, um, um, that I said earlier, uh, the numbers correctly, there are about 7.5 million Palestinians throughout what is now historic Palestine. So we know about you. Everybody knows about Gaza. Uh, now many of them are systematic, systematically being killed. Um, but uh, there are also 20% of Israeli citizens are in fact Palestinians. Those are the people who remain within um, 1948 uh, borders, boundaries. Um, and then the, the remaining Palestinians are in uh, the West Bank. Okay. Um, so, uh, so yeah, this is very important. From a Palestinian perspective, the resistance uh, emerged because some people came from Europe uh, and systematically started purchasing land. Uh, and once they realized that there is a, something systematic going on, resistance was articulated. Sometimes this resistance drew on religion to, to mobilize people because religion is very effective mm -hmm. uh, in terms of mobilizing people. Um, so, so then maybe some of the articulation of the resistance appear to be religious, but in fact, they are about, for, for the from a Palestinian perspective, from the Palestinian experience, what they have experienced is an experience of settler colonialism. There is a group of people who came and systematically took over um, their land. Okay. Settler colonialism is about land. It's about and so the resistance movement grew because they were trying to resist the people who came to yes. occupy or, or annex their land. Uh, yeah, and so settler colonialism is about, and has been, and that has been also the policies of Israel over the years. First Zionism, the issue, so the pre-state and then Israel, how to maximize uh, land and minimize the indigenous people, the Palestinians on that land. Mm -hmm. That kind of process needs justification. It cannot just be, um, you know, it cannot happen. It cannot unfold without a reliance on particular narrative. So what was the narrative that Israel used yes. to justify the taking of more of the indigenous land of the Palestinians? Yeah. So this is where it's really important to understand the kind of its dialectics. So you have it's, uh, the, the, the arguments that the different parties are making are not always in, they are not in kind of like a vacuum from one another, but they're in conversation with one another. So Zionism that started in Europe as a European movement, secular, nevertheless relied on the story and the biblical narrative about um, uh, the, uh, this is our land. This is our birthplace. The um, um, for for the Jewish people to be to to be um, uh, normal. That's a very very kind of this notion of the norm normalcy has been very very central. Was very central to the early Zionist uh, movement. Like other nations, it needed to return to its home, to its roots. Okay. Uh, and so, in the early narratives of Zionism, you have um, a kind of reliance on, and again, this is what I call kind of the biblical grammar, because you have a reliance on Joshua, the book of Joshua, and the conquest of the land, um, and and of course, in that story, there were people in the land too, um, and uh, and also the narrative about return and redemption. Okay, so so we get that 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 was a part of the narrative. Did yeah. Palestinians have? The Muslims who were living in this area, who the indigenous Palestinians, did they have a religious narrative about Muhammad? 
I mean, first of all, yes, there is a, um, a, a religious uh, narrative about the role, the, um, the, the significance of Jerusalem and the land uh, within Islam. But from a Palestinian perspective, if you study kind of the, 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 the history of the resistance to, to colonialism, uh, really from the Palestinian perspective, I mean, from the Jewish perspective, it's homecoming. It's a return mm-hmm. <laughs> from Palestine. It's resistance to these people who are coming and displacing and depopulating me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so, so yes, Jerusalem is significant. Significant. It's the third uh, sacred city uh, in the Islamic context. Uh, what, I, what was the significance, Professor, of Donald Trump supporting moving Jerusalem or, or moving? I guess talk yeah. about what what Donald Trump did. Uh, in terms of the the moving of the major city in Israel, well, uh, Donald Trump uh, uh, moved the embassy, the American embassy, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. That was a very significant um, and provocative uh, move because, uh, and also, it came with declarations that Jerusalem is the capital of the Jewish people. Um, and the issue is not about again to go kind of to your question for Muslims. It's not about uh, um, uh, this. You know, Jerusalem being a Muslim city, it's a Palestinian city, and with a significance for for Palestinians. And uh, within the the framework of the peace um, peace negotiations, the peace process that had was going on for thirty years uh, until. But know, wait a minute! Before the movement of the American embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, Jerusalem was occupied by the Palestinians. No, uh, what, for, uh, West Jerusalem um, uh, was a part of. The, the territories that were established in 1948, East Jerusalem was occupied in 67. So often Palestinians refer to East Jerusalem as occupied East Jerusalem. Uh, but within the peace negotiation, the peace framework of the Oslo Accords that was signed in 1993, um, there was a possibility of Jerusalem becoming also a capital of the pal- a future Palestinian state. Okay. The move, the so there was... It's not only about the move of the embassy, and but it's also about Trump, very much um, uh, undergirded by by by, the, by Christian evangelicals in the U.S. Uh, and their Christian Zionism. Uh, he also said, "This is the eternal city of the Jewish people." Um, okay, and the Palestinians, because of the peace accord, had expectations that if there was going to be a two-state solution, to solution that Jerusalem would be in the camp of the Palestinians. That it will be maybe the seat of the Palestinian. Okay. So that was a big blow to the Palestinians for Trump to intervene and say this, we're going to move the American Jewish, the Israeli embassy, the the American embassy in Israel to Jerusalem and now declare that Jerusalem is forever a Jewish city. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so that's really important because, you know, now there's this uh, backlash against Joe Biden uh, and folks suggesting that somehow Donald Trump is a, a better friend to the Palestinians than Joe Biden. So, okay, why yeah, history no. is important, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, we we got to get some news in. Uh, when we come for such an interesting conversation, uh, stay with us, KBLA Talk 1580. We're going to come back with uh, Dr. Omer, she's going to keep helping us understand this decades-old conflict and, you know, religion versus land. Stay with us.
We are back with Professor Atalia O'Mare. She's a professor of religion, conflict, and peace studies at the University of Notre Dame. And she's trying to help us understand this very complex, ongoing crisis between is Israelis and Palestinians. And we're trying to really unpack this issue about land versus religion. So thank you for clarifying the move of the American embassy to Jerusalem, what that meant for, obviously, Israelis. That was a bit cool for them. Uh, to have some a U.S. Them. Some of them. <laughs> okay. Some of them. So, and that's important to note because I think people think uh, Israelis are monolithic. So help us understand because we've seen some Jewish leaders in the U.S. Right. Uh, protesting uh, with Palestinians and protesting against the aid that the Biden administration wants to send to Israel. So obviously we're not talking about a monolithic group. Yeah, and those are American Jews. So that's really important not to conflate Jews with Israelis, which is exactly what those American Jews who protest in D.C. and in other places, especially uh, the um, movement of Jewish Voice for Peace, and if not now, uh, and others, what they say, first of all, don't do it in my name, because mm -hmm. this is what the discourse happens. And you heard it in Biden's speech and Blinken and all this other speech. First of all, Biden said Hamas' sole purpose is to kill Jews. Well, no. I mean, this is where you need to contextualize Hamas as a movement of resistance within what we talked about before as a Palestinian resistance. Yes, they, you know, violated uh, international law. They engage in atrocious acts of violence. Uh, but one needs to understand the kind of violence that the people of Gaza and Palestine broadly um, we kind of recontextualize Gaza within the border Palestine, the borderland, uh, what they experience. Um, so, so help, great point. Why is it that if you make the statement you just made, yes, it's atrocious what the terror, Hamas terrorists did in killing 1,400 Israelis, but you have to put in context yeah. how the Israelis have treated the Palestinians. So the UN Secretary uh, for the United Nations uh, yeah. made that statement. And immediately some of the Israelis leaders called for his resignation. And... We've seen other American Jewish leaders call people anti-Semitic, uh, demand that students who've written these statements be fired from jobs, et cetera, et cetera. Is that, uh, help, is that an anti-Semitic statement to say the terrorist attack is horrific and illegal, yet the treatment of Palestinians is equally, or not even equally, but just that it's horrific? Yeah. Uh, no, it's not. But, uh, but the issue is that that the discourse, the narrative has been conflating um, Jewish people and Zionism and Zionists and also just support of Israel no matter what, with no questions, with no um, interrogation. I mean, Israel is just a nation state. It's a state. Um, so to be critical of state violence is not the same of singling out a, a whole group of people uh, for being, you know, X or Y or Z. Um, and so this is really critical, and this is exactly, and um, you mentioned my book, Days of All Reimagining Jewishness in Solidarity with Palestinians. This is exactly what I trace in the book, how, um, and it's looking specifically at American Jews in this context, how they um, uh, interrogated that, the con first of all, kind of the homogenization of Jewish history and Jewish narrative, that, that what does it mean to be Jewish? It means to support Zionism. They challenge it, say no, and they also say, you know, um, uh, occupation is not my Judaism. This is what the kind of T-shirts that many of those young Jews um, are wearing when they do are doing different kind of actions. But then they want to ask, well, what is my Judaism? This is just to say that religion is many different things. 
uh, and it can be reinterpreted and interrogated. Um, and so, but but so why is so so you're saying there's been this this conflation between the state of Israel, mm-hmm. any state, and yeah. Ju- Judaism, which yes, you know, is it a a race? Is it a religion? That's what makes this also really complicated. And this notion, like I said, if you say that. Palestinians have been living in the largest open air prison in the the world. That too is considered anti-Semitic. Yeah, yeah, and 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 this is an outcome of uh, a long-standing effort to control the narrative, to control how you can talk about Israel, uh, how can you talk about um, uh, Palestine, even mention the word Palestine. I mean, the kind of policing and silencing that have been going on. Um, uh, and um, especially targeting people who are vulnerable. Uh, so th- the fact that the, these Jewish actors were able to go and protest in Washington, D.C. in the way they did, in and of itself is a form of privilege. They're able to do it and say it and, and be explicit in their criticism. Uh, and yes, a few of them were arrested, but were released a few hours later. Um, I, I, we're going to run out of time. We have so many questions to ask. Let me just jump to this. Yes. The two-state solution. We hear a lot about that. Uh, my historians last week said that uh, Netanyahu is not interested in a two-state solution uh, and that that will never happen under his regime. And again, I, I, is the whole nation the whole state not interested, or that's just that political party? Yeah, and this is really important. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I mentioned before, the, the peace accords, the Oslo accords, they were signed in 1993, and we just marked the 30, 30 decades, uh, three decades, so 30-year anniversary of it. Um, and um, and everyone at the time of the 30-year anniversary were completely disillusioned with uh, with the framework and what it entailed, and especially Palestinians. For, from a Palestinian perspective, the quote-unquote peace process has been another modality of entrenching the occupation in the West mm-hmm. Bank and, of course, the Gaza um, with its own kind of extreme situation, the Gaza Strip. Uh, so... So yeah, but Netanyahu is just one actor within a, a much more radicalized uh, political landscape. The, the whole, um, the government, the coalition that he built, he, he built with the help of very, very extreme people who are messianic, like what I talked about earlier, who really understand um, the land, first really look at the, at the biblical text as a title, as a land title. Um, mm. And uh, and 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 are explicitly Jewish supremacists. They are not even. They don't even have the pretense that earlier governments and early earlier kind of modalities of political Israeli political discourse had with respect to kind of the liberal veneer of the question of democracy. That that, that contradiction between Jewish and democracy. This Israel sees itself as a Jewish democracy. This contradiction is falling apart. This is what we are seeing. Um, and. So is it possible if Netanyahu is not in in office, if there were these more liberal leaders, there could be more interest in developing a two state solution? No, at the moment, at the moment, the 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 the, the atmosphere is so uh, extremist uh, and 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 deeply Jewish supremacist because of decades of being in that situation mm. and, and and having to, you know. It's harder. It became harder and harder and harder to justify what Israel has been doing on through kind of a liberal secular discourse. This is why the discourse became more and more religious, explicitly relying on that kind of as a warrant, as a license to 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 dominate a whole group of of people, the Palestinians, uh, and every and in addition to this, 
Israel has been enabled, especially by the United States, all this time, and we see now even you know it's even intensified in the in the current moment. Uh, so there had not been a possibility for an alternative voice to really emerge politically, because Israel has just been rewarded for bad behavior in terms of its practices. Um, Wow, we are out of time, Professor Omer. Such an interesting conversation. I have so many other questions to ask, and I'm sure my listeners uh, do as well. I'll have to have you back again. Thank you so much for enlightening us on these very, very complex uh, issues. I I know I'm a lot smarter as a result of of having a, you know, listening to you and having a better understanding of this history. And I I hope my listeners are as well. But like I said, we have to. Go to the next show, which is Robin Ayers and the Raw Report right here on KBLA Talk 1580. Don't touch that dial.